Hey, if we've not met, my name is Tim Jesko. I am the pastor to middle schoolers up here at 1910. Um, I normally get to hang out with about 100, 130 middle schoolers on Wednesday nights. Um, so I'm not used to preaching on Sunday mornings. So I have an ask for you guys. If you wouldn't mind helping me out a little bit this morning, I'm kind of nervous. So if things get a little excited, you can talk back to me. If things get a little, um, you know, party-like, you can shout a little bit if you want to. Our middle schoolers, they're, they're used to shouting and clapping and, and having a good time. And so I want to encourage you guys to do the same. Church should be enjoyed, not endured. So feel free to talk back every now and then. Awesome. Dudes, how many of you have signed up for Dudes Weekend? Where are you guys at? Awesome. I see a lot of other dudes who have not raised their hand. So here's what I want you ladies to do. Sign your significant other up at Connections. Just go ahead and put their name down. It's okay. It's good for them. If you've not signed up, seriously, you need to come. It's going to be an amazing weekend. Pastor Jabin Chavez is an anointed speaker. Um, he, it's going to be a, a life-changing weekend, and so I highly encourage you to come. It's going to be a great time. Hey, can we do something real quick? Uh, I'm going to do it again. It's going to be a, a special type of moment. Pastor Jason and Pastor Angie have been in Israel for the past 10 days. They've been making us all jealous with the pictures they've been posting on Facebook. Um, but I don't think they get the honor and the recognition and the the thanks that they deserve for how well they serve us as their congregation in the church. So here's what I'm going to ask. If your life has been made better, if you've been benefited from their faithfulness and serving and constantly pouring themselves out, if you've got a relationship with Christ because of how these two have served, would you mind standing up for me? Would you mind standing up just so they get a glimpse? If your life has been made better. Come on, that's worthy of a round of applause right there. This is just a, a small glimpse, a tiny glimpse as to what your service has, has been for your lifetime, really, um, for not only this community, but so many others. So on behalf of your staff, thank you for how well you serve and lead. And on behalf of your congregation, thank you for how you consistently pour yourselves out. So thank you, guys. Who's ever heard of lacrosse? All four of y'all. Sweet. Hey, lacrosse is a sport. Um, it, it's, it's a sport that involves a stick and a butterfly net. It's like hockey, but in the air. Um, this is the sport I grew up playing. I picked it up in New Jersey. I've lived on each coast of the continental U.S. Um, by the grace of God and the good planning of my parents, I was born in the best nation in America, Texas. Any of y'all in here? Come on now. Uh, we moved shortly thereafter to New Jersey. I lived there for 10 years where I picked up lacrosse. Uh, after that, in eighth grade or ninth grade, rather, we moved to California. I spent three years in high school there, continued to play lacrosse, and then my senior year of high school, um, circumstances brought us back to Texas, and so I was going to play and go to school at a school called Westlake in Austin. Now, who's ever heard of Westlake in Austin before? Wow, a lot more than I thought. Awesome. Westlake is it's really known for its academics. It's, it's a really incredibly smart school. When I was there, it was the best public school in the nation, thanks to, or best public school in Texas, thanks to yours truly. Instead, I've ruined that GPA for real. Um, it was the seventh best public school in the nation at that point. I mean, this is one of the schools, it's ridiculous. Every kid down to third grade gets an iPad. I'm not even making that up. They take it home with them. I tell you, I, I never used that iPad for schoolwork when I was in class there. It was always for games and like golf. That's all I did. Come on now. But what Westlake is more well known for is its athletics. You might know some of their alumni, some of their graduates in football, particularly maybe Drew Brees. Um, maybe a guy who's playing in the Super Bowl, Nick Foles, Justin Tucker, uh, Ryan Adams, and if you like UT football, Sam Ellinger, um, he graduated a few years after I did from Westlake. So they're really well known for their sports. And coming from California, I was joining this elite level of athlete. 
was joining the ranks of these titans of athletics. And I just want to show you guys a picture of what pure speed and strength looks like, the physique of, a, of an athletic genius. If you can show that picture, Tim, if you don't mind. So much strength. When I, th when I see that picture, I think of swiftness and just speed. That haircut, I think, is horrible. Oreos, yeah, right? Puberty hit me like a ton of bricks, big time, for real. Thank you, Tim, thank you so much. You can take that down. We don't need that up anymore. I was joining this elite level of athlete. I did graduate Westlake with some honors in lacrosse. I did graduate All-State, All-League, captain of my team. I wanted to continue my career, um, so I took it to UT. I played there for a semester before I got hit the wrong way by a much bigger guy. I've always had back problems, but when he hit me, I realized I couldn't sit down without excruciating pain. So I went to a doctor, took an x-ray, and found out that I had fractured a lower vertebrae. He said, um, it might not be wise for you to keep on playing. I took his advice wisely, um, and I stopped playing. But every year, there is an opportunity for me to relive the glory days. Every year, there's an option for me to go back and put on the pads, the Westlake alumni game. Now, if you're familiar with alumni games, the alumni of yesteryear will gather on one team and play the current varsity team. The varsity team always wins, by the way, spoiler alert. But we'll gather together and we'll go have this fun game. It's really lighthearted. It's, it's a blast. And so I signed up to do this. And my wife, Madison, she wanted to come watch. And my brother and sister-in-law were in town with their daughter, my niece. By the way, I know we've got at least one family from Maryland watching. Emma, you rock. Hi. Um, so we wanted to go down to Austin and and play this game they wanted to come watch and so we roll up to the stadium at Westlake and now to give you some context as to how much money Westlake puts in their athletics it's just ridiculous I mean two practice turf fields four practice grass fields grass fields not grass that's not a thing grass fields three baseball fields and two soccer fields their stadium is insane like no offense Bernie but y'all think you've got a stadium it's JV you think you've got a jumbotron it's just a tron Right, Westlake has got a stadium that seats 13,000 people with a magnificent jumbotron at the end with awesome commercials for Whataburger that you can go to after the game. Come on now. So we roll up, I'm walking down to the field, reliving kind of the adrenaline of showing up to this massive stadium. Of course, there's no fans there because it's lacrosse, first of all, but it's also the alumni game. So I roll up and I, I see on the field, I see the varsity team. And I immediately know it's gonna be a bad game because they're running like four miles to warm up. They're doing like 200 push-ups to get ready for the game. And I look a little further on, and I see my team. And then I hear my team, just a chorus of dad noises. You know what I'm talking about with the dad noises. Maybe when you gain a little weight, you, you, you age a little bit, and suddenly every movement is accompanied by a sound. You get up from the lazy boy, and it's Or you bend over to tie your shoes, and it's so I hear this chorus of this noise, and I'm like, oh, great. I see men sweating as they try to put their cleats on. This is not going to go well. Every year, this game falls on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, which, by the way, how rude and how disrespectful. I mean, we're already out of shape, but you're just going to rub it in our face, making it after the most gluttonous day in American year. So we, uh, we start playing the game. It's a fun game. We're super lighthearted. But for some reason, I guess an alumni goalie didn't show up. I'm defending one of the backup varsity goalies. He's on my team for some reason. So we're having a good time. We're playing. And suddenly I start to hear this noise from the goalie, this punk kid. He's like 14. And he starts talking trash. 
to me. I'm on his team. Like a defender and a goalie are supposed to be like super tight-knit, right? Like the goalie's directing the defender and I'm saving him from everything. And he starts talking trash to me like he's calling out my name and my number. And so it goes on through that, throughout the entire game and he's getting under my skin quite a bit. And so I'm getting frustrated. And it's about this time when it's boiling over where I see on the other side of the field a guy named JJ gets the ball coming towards me. Now JJ, y'all know guys like this, he's a muscle hamster. He's thicker than a biscuit, but he's no taller than 5'6". So he's like 220, and he's willing to just run through everything, right? JJ's got the ball. He's coming down the field. He's coming straight towards me. And my job, my priority number one at that point is to stop JJ, stop the ball. JJ's coming at me, and he turns his body and starts to wind up. And when a player in lacrosse starts to wind up, you know it's just going to be a crank of a shot, right? It's just going to be coming at you hot. And so in this moment, I have two options. I can step into this gap where I belong, where I need to go, where I've been taught to go, and jump in front of a potential shot and maybe get hit somewhere where I don't want to get hit. Or I can remember what this kid was saying about me and sidestep out of the way. And so I'm faced with this dilemma. And in that split second, I've got decades worth of coaches yelling at me, Tim, don't you ever duck out of the way. Tim, don't you ever dodge a shot. You take that shot like a man. And then I remember what the kid was saying. And in that split second, I took a step to the side. And I didn't see, but I heard what had to have been the worst cut check in that kid's life, hitting the worst place possible. As Christians, we have a similar calling. Not to be a lacrosse player and pad up and let 14-year-old kids get hit in the worst place. But as Christians, we have a similar calling to step into a gap where we belong. Step into a place where we've been taught to go. Even though it might hurt a little bit. Even though it might be painful or uncomfortable, we've been taught to step into that gap. Today, as we finish this series, I'm going to be ending with a, the title called, I Will Stand in the Gap. I need you to turn to your neighbor who is your best friend, or whichever neighbor is more your friend, and say, I will stand in the gap. If you don't have someone looking at you, you know where your friendships lie, so you don't have to take them out to lunch. It's been really, it's been really interesting to see how the Lord has given um, us these messages, right? Pastor Jason started us off in January with, I will practice the presence. The most important relationship that you could ever have is that of Jesus. Practicing, spending time with him, reading his word, daily devotion, spending time with him. Pastor Danny took it a step further and talked about pursuing holiness. Not tiptoeing the line of culture, but leaning into what Jesus offers and chasing after the life Jesus gives. And last week, Pastor Chase talking about when we turn away from God, repenting and coming back to our first love, returning to your first love. This repenting, this idea of throwing something down violently and turning away 180 to your first love. By the way, do you guys see how blessed I am to serve under those guys? Like everything I've learned is from those guys and so they're incredible. Can we give them a round of applause for how they've served and done awesome? They're awesome, awesome guys. And what I love about them is they don't just preach, but they live out what they preach. And so they do an awesome job for this community. We're so thankful for them. Today, as we end this series, I will stand in the gap. We're going to talk about taking what we know out of these walls and bringing the community the light of Jesus. Is it okay if we read some scripture? Is that all right? We're going to start in Matthew 27, starting in verse 15. Now, this is just hours after the moments Pastor Chase preached on last week when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're at the sentencing of Jesus, starting in verse 15. 
Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they want, wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Everybody say Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all, they all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, rather that a riot was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person you see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be upon us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, when he had whipped Jesus and torn at his flesh, he delivered him to be crucified. I will stand in the gap. In this text we see Jesus at the climax of human history. The pinnacle moment of humanity. Moments before his death. He's at his sentencing. And we find him on a platform with a guy named Barabbas, Barabbas, a notorious prisoner, a thug, and a criminal. Pontius offers the, the crowd to pick one to release back into freedom. And the crowd chooses Barabbas. At this point in history, the children of Israel were under a totalitarian regime of Rome. Rome was ruling them with an iron fist. And so every year, the Roman governor of Jerusalem at the time of Passover, to appease all the people that were coming to Jerusalem, adopted a tradition that he would release one of the prisoners on death row, essentially. These prisoners had rebelled against Rome's law. They had broken their commandments. They had taken freedom into their own hands in trying to overthrow Rome. And when they were captured, they were often crucified humiliatingly. So today is that day where one of them is going to go free. Jesus stands next to Barabbas and they cry for Barabbas to go free. I've had the privilege of being a part of this church for um, the past uh, few years. I've gone from uh, just a regular Sunday attendee, coming home every weekend from UT, um, coming home to be at church with my family. Uh, I committed to serving part-time, serving on Sundays back with Pastor Todd in the warehouse. After that, when I was able to transfer back to UTSA. By the way, the very first day I, I committed to serving with Pastor Todd, I uh, met my wife. So I'm not just saying there's some juju up in 1910, but what I am saying is that if you're single, you might meet some good-looking godly folks if you start serving somewhere, right? So just a shameless plug, shameless plug. After that, Pastor Danny asked me to be an intern for himself and Pastor Chase, and I was able to serve under those guys for roughly a year and a half, and then the role of middle school pastor opened up for me. And at each transition to a different stage, my perspective changed with it. My perspective saw things a little differently. What I used to just take for granted as an awesome worship set on here from Pastor Chach, I now see how he leads off stage throughout the week and prepares. What I used to take for granted as a great message from Pastor Jason, I now see all the overtime he puts in that most people don't see. My perspective has shifted. Our perspective is so important when it comes to our personal lives, but it's also incredibly important when it comes to our Christian walks as well. Brings me to my first point. Perspective determines providence. Perspective determines providence. Perspective determines blessings. 
Now when I say that, that doesn't mean just because you have a good outlook on life means you're going to have a fat bank account, an awesome sports car, and a great spouse. But what I am saying is when you have a perspective that's focused on Jesus, focused on what he's already given you, the relationship that he's given you, you won't need everything else because you'll just be thankful for what you've got. You'll be thankful for the, lung, the breath in your lungs, the bed you get to sleep on. You'll be thankful for a job that you hate going to and kids that are the reason for your migraines. We've heard, we've heard story after story of people who've got millions of dollars. They have an awesome spouse, a new spouse every other week, a new car every other day, model kids who go to the right schools and wear the right things, but yet they're completely hopeless and broken inside. And then we hear stories even in our church of people who are facing terminal diseases, illness that's eating away at them, but yet they still continue to show up and serve consistently, pouring out joy to everyone they meet. People who have nothing, but yet they consistently show up and give more because they have a perspective fixed on Jesus. And that joy exudes from their bodies. Perspective determines providence. I mean, isn't that the perspective Jesus had? He was so focused on God's will, he didn't care about his own comfort or his pain. Jesus was more focused on God's will than anything else. I mean, we see this in the scriptures just moment before, moments before he's on the stage. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane literally sweating blood from the pressure and stress of what he's about to go through. And he cries out to God, Abba, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Knowing that God's will is more important than anything else, fixing his perspective on what God wanted. I fear as the big church, capital C church, I fear we've gotten our perspectives a little mixed up. I fear we've gotten our perspectives a little skewed. I fear we only love those who we agree with. I fear we've let our emotions dictate our actions and our preconceived notions tell us who we can love. Only those who look like we do, only those who love like we do and who agree with everything I agree with and who vote the same way I do. I mean, Politics is one of the reasons why the children of Israel didn't see Jesus for who he was. They missed it because they boxed Jesus into this perspective of what he was going to be that he didn't meet their expectations. When we, they were, I mean, put yourself in their situation. They were oppressed, right? They were essentially enslaved. They wanted freedom. They wanted agency. They wanted power and mobilization. And so when they reread the prophecies of old of this Messiah to come, this Savior and Redeemer, they reread it through the lens of their circumstance, through the lens of their situation. Can I get, Tom, can you come over here? Yeah, we're going to do this again. Stay right here. I'm going to move out of, there you go. They boxed Jesus into something that he wasn't. So they reread the prophecies of old into something that's different. Pastor Chase, would you mind helping me out a little bit? There it is. Come on now. Just right in front of the keyboard. Right there, you're good. They made Jesus out to be some warrior king, physically restoring Israel. He's going to mobilize their army. Chase, do something warrior-like, please, Pastor Chase. Okay, don't, don't tear that shirt. Don't tear that shirt. No, you've been working out. <laughs> Pastor, I was okay until I heard Pastor Jason laugh. <laughs> they made Jesus out to be some warrior king. And so that when Jesus actually shows up, and he's born in a manger, and he's healing and loving and performing miracles, he doesn't meet their expectations. He looks a little different. And so that when he's standing on a stage next to an actual criminal, the crowd doesn't see a savior. They just see two criminals. 
and they choose to let the wrong one go. Thank you, Pastor Chase. You look awesome. Perspective is vastly important. Jesus had a perspective focused on God's will above everything else. Even when he's dying on the cross, his body is contorted in such a way, he's, he's nailed to the cross that he's constantly falling forward on this tree that he created. Get that image. He made this tree and he knew it was going to kill him. And yet he still went to the cross. He's contorted in such a way where he's falling forward essentially and he can't really breathe. When you die on a cross, you lose more air than you get back in. And so slowly you suffocate. Your, inter- your insides drown from the blood. And I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable, but it's what our Savior went through. And as he's dying, he still has a perspective so focused on God's will above his own comfort and pain. And I fear that's where we've missed it, where we only love those who look like us, where we use politics as a crutch to negate God's commandment to love everyone, no matter if they agree or disagree with us, no matter if we label them the right thing or not, because God labels them something different than what we do. And the only label Jesus goes under is not that of Republican or Democrat. He's not a Libertarian or an Independent. He is a monarch, a King of kings and a Lord of lords. And when we, out of our own fear and insecurity, out of our own fear and insecurity, when we box Jesus into something that he's not, he's never going to stay there because he's an active and alive God. And we end up missing where he's taking us. Perspective focused on God's will above everything else. He's pouring out the greatest gift himself as an act of love for others. And he's teaching us how to do that as well. And I fear we miss it because we're too scared to stand in the gap. We're too scared to use our platform to go into somewhere where we've been taught to go, even if it hurts a little bit. Because we only love those who love us back. Who wear what we wear and look like what we look like and have the same skin tone as us and vote the same way we do. We miss God's commandment to love everyone. When we let Fox News and CNN become authority in our life more than the word of God. When something rises up inside of us, when we see something on TV, maybe people who are even breaking the law and our first vindictive action is to judge and condemn before we pray for and forgive, we've missed it. We've missed it. And our perspective has gotten skewed. Jesus' perspective was focused on God's will above everything else. Brings me to my next point. Platform proves perspective. Platform proves perspective. Jesus is here on this platform with Pontius and Barabbas. Get this image. This, this mortal, these two mortals are standing next to the immortal. These two finites next to the infinite. These two creations next to the creator. And yet the crowd cries out for the blood of Jesus. Pontius, not wanting to deal with the situation anymore, decides to wash his hands, seemingly trying to make himself physically innocent, even though he's eternally not. And he gives Jesus up to the crowd. And the person that walks free that day is not the right one. It's Barabbas. Barabbas walks freely back into the arms of those who love him and have chosen him instead of the Savior. Barabbas, the criminal and the crook, the sinner and the rebel, the one who deserves to be up there is the one Jesus watches, watching go free at that moment. I read this and there's something that wells up inside of me, something that wells up inside of me about this being just completely wrong, 
Like what has Jesus ever done to deserve to be where he is right then? What has Jesus ever done to deserve to die? He's the only perfect man that ever walked. He never sinned. He healed and loved and forgave and ate with sinners and tax collectors. He unbound those who were bound. He, he gave ear, hearing back to those who were deaf, eyesight back to those who were blind. And yet the crowd chooses Barabbas. Why would Jesus, the, the God-man, why would he let himself die willingly for his creations? This scandal, it doesn't make sense. But it was Jesus' plan the entire time. Humans, we have a tendency when we read a story, when we're reading um, a book or watching a movie, we have a tendency to make ourselves the main character. That's why when you we're learning how to read, the teacher told you, immerse yourself in it. And when we immerse ourselves in it, we think of ourselves as the, the hero or the heroine, right? The alpha male, the redeemer, the rescuer, coming to save the day. And if we're not careful, we can do that with scripture as well. We can do that with the Bible as well. The reality is we are far from the main character of the Bible. The main character of the Bible has always been Jesus. It still is Jesus, and it will always be Jesus. He is the main character, and we've fallen short. And so when we read this scripture, we need to understand who we are in this text. We're not Jesus. Only Jesus could be Jesus. We're Barabbas. We're the rebels. We're the sinners. Scripture says in Genesis 3 that mankind fell short of God's glory. We sinned and broke his law. We rebelled against him. And so now everyone is born a sinner. We are born sinners. We don't need to learn how to lie. Or you don't need to teach a two-year-old how to say mine. They'll do that on their own. We're born sinners. But God knew that the punishment for death was sin. And that meant going to an eternal place, a very real place called hell. Being eternally separated from God's goodness. Jesus knew that. And Jesus had a plan. This main character of Scripture had a plan. And he, it involved him leaving his royal home and coming down and being born in a dirty, dusty manger in a podunk town called Bethlehem. It involved him living a humble life. Scripture says he even looked humble. There's nothing that looked very royal about him. But yet he performed miracle after miracle after miracle. He loved and forgave he constantly poured himself out over and over again. This is Jesus. And he knew his destiny was death. Since the beginning of time, he knew his destiny was death. And he was born to die. So here we find him on this stage watching Barabbas go free. The wrong one. The one who deserves to die. Friends, we're Barabbas. We're the ones who sinned. We're the ones who sentenced Jesus to die. We're the rebels who broke God's law. We're the ones who should have died and paid the punishment for sin. But yet Jesus does. Jesus saw something that he had placed in Barabbas and that what Jesus was going to do was allow Barabbas the option to walk in it. Can I tell you what Barabbas' name means in Aramaic? What his name literally means in the original language? Barabbas' name literally means son of the father. I need you to get that. Son of the Father. Barabbas was known by his sin at this time. He was known as a criminal and a crook and a rebel, one deserving to die. But Jesus saw something that he put in Barabbas. He saw the true identity of Barabbas to be that of a child. Friends, we're Barabbas. We have a greater identity than our sin. 
And Jesus allowing himself to die not only let Barabbas walk freely physically that day, but allowed him the option to walk free eternally that day. And he allows us the same option today. You have an identity greater than your sin. If you've trusted in what Jesus has done and have a relationship with him, you are not known by your sin anymore. You're known by what he's done. You are not the product of your sin anymore. You are the product of his love. You are not your anger. You are not your fear. You are not your sorrow, your sadness, your depression, your insecurities. You are a child of God. A son or daughter of the living, risen King. And Jesus knew that, which is why he let himself die. He carried his cross to a hill called Calvary. And he hung on it. And we need to understand who this is. This isn't just some man. This is God made man. And so when normal men are dying on a cross, they're slowly suffocating, right? And they die with a whimper. They have no more breath to give. And so they slowly, they either drown or they suffocate. And that's it. Jesus, as he's dying with these gasping breaths, he's not just a man because when he's done, when he's at the end of his life at that moment, he roars out something victoriously shouting, it is done. This is not just some man, this is the Lion of Judah being sacrificed like a lamb. And when he said it, he meant it. It is done. The price is paid. The debt is gone. The war is over. The battle is won. Jesus is victorious. And his story doesn't end there. He was taken down from that cross. His body, he didn't even have his own tomb. He laid in someone else's tomb. And three days from that moment, when the disciples who were so fearful and not knowing what to do, they came back to honor Jesus' body. They came back to dress his body and clean him up a little bit. They walked in and they didn't find a body there. Instead, they found two men wearing clothes like lightning. And I don't know about you, but I can't find any clothes like lightning at H&M. These men were the real deal. These were angels. And these angels said, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He's risen. I'm going to say it again until you get a little excited. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He's risen. Our King is alive. Our Savior is alive. And the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is now alive in us if we have a relationship with Him. Jesus walked around. He talked with His disciples. And then He ascended into heaven. And when He ascended, He imparted His Holy Spirit for any who believe and trust in what He's done. So now the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is alive in you, waiting with that resurrection power to bring what's dead back to life in you and in other people as well. He's waiting to be loosed. He's waiting to go out and make a difference. If you'll just stand in the gap, if you will step in a place where you know you need to go, even if it hurts a little bit, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you really don't want to do it or the people you're standing in the gap for won't love you for it, they won't appreciate you for it, and they won't honor you for it, they might not even know you did it, will you still stand in the gap? Jesus stood on this platform and he proved his perspective that Jesus, that God was Lord, that God had his will and it was more important than what Jesus was going through. We all have a platform. God has ordained each and every one of us a position to be in somewhere. If you're a parent, you have a platform. If you're a student, you have a platform. All of us have a platform. How are we using it to prove our perspective? Is Jesus Lord in your life? Is His will more important than your own comfort? Are you willing to stand in a gap for other people and go somewhere they might not be able to go themselves? 
even if it hurts just a little bit. Our challenge today is to sit in that gap, to find that gap and to be in it for other people on behalf of other people. We're gonna end with a kind of altar call type moment like we have been with this I Will series, but I really want you to understand that God has ordained each and every one of you a position to be in, a platform to stand on. Students, when you hear people start talking bad about you behind your back, the challenge is for you to start talking kindly about them to their face. Parents, do you love your child even when your, stu- when your kid hurts you? Sorry, I'm used to saying students, I'm a middle school pastor. Parents, do you love your child even when they hurt you? Businessmen and women, do you honor your boss and those who work under you? Do you love people you disagree with? Do you pray for them before you judge them? Because if we don't, then we're not using our platform appropriately. So I'm going to end this message with some statements that I want you to make, or if you're wanting to make, you can. Sorry, my password closed out on me. I'm not going to have it. It's okay. It's a problem with a MacBook on stage, right? I'm going to end this with some statements. And if you resonate with any of these statements, the challenge is for you to come up and not let this just be a physical sign, but a spiritual sign as to what you're going to do when you leave these places, this wall, this church, how you're going to act in your community, how you're going to lead those around you, how you're going to love those who might not love you back for it. So the first statement, I will give grace before I judge. I will pray for before I hate. I will love first and foremost, and I will stand in the gap, even if it's painful or uncomfortable. I'm gonna pray, and if that's you, I want you to come forward right now boldly. I don't want you to worry about what other people are gonna think. I don't want you to worry about what they might say. I want you to come forward as a physical sign that you're gonna take this message out into the community. Because when we take this out, then Jesus begins to be loosed. His spirit begins to let free inside of us and other people begin to get a better picture as to who Jesus is, as to what he's done for us. And when people get a picture as to who Jesus is, they start to know him a little bit and they might start a relationship with him and it might not happen all at once, but your act of obedience can be helping them towards that relationship. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship and as we sing this song, let this be an anthem to your spirit. Let this be an anthem for what you're going to do outside of these walls and not just in here. God, thank you for what you've done, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. God, you've you've paid the price for us. You've redeemed us. We deserved to die. But God, you went for the cross for us. You bore the price we deserve to pay. So God, now out of a response of worship to you, we're going to take this message out of these walls and love anyone that we can, even if they don't look like us, even if they don't sound like us, even if we disagree with them, we're going to love them. God, your spirit break out. Your spirit break out in our lives. Break out in our communities. Break out in our families. Spirit, start a revival. God, we love you.
break out. Come on, we lift our voice today. Break our walls down. Spirit, break out. Break every chain. Let heaven come down. Yeah. Talking to those of you that specifically came forward. When I think of you, I think of a free diver. Now, it might sound a little weird, but. There's this man who was trying to set the, the world record for the depth at which he could go free diving without any equipment, without any oxygen, just going down into deep, dark water. Scary situations. They asked this guy, how do you prepare to do that? I mean, when you're down there and the pressure, the pressure's literally squeezing your lungs to the size of an orange. How do you prepare to go down into those dark times? This man said, it's all about how I prepare when I'm in the sunlight. See, when I'm up above the waves, I'm constantly expanding my lungs. I'm constantly breathing in deep, deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm constantly expanding them so that they grow in size, so that when I go down into those deep, dark moments, I've got the capacity to go through. And I don't know what you're going to walk through this week as you leave this building. I don't know what you're already walking through, but I do know that you physically coming forward puts a target on your back for the enemy. Don't let that discourage you. Instead, while you're in the sunlight, instead, while you're above the waves, expand your capacity right now. Expand your capacity as we worship, sitting in His presence, so that it'll carry you through what you go through, that His love will carry you through what you're going through. Right now, lift your hands and surrender if you step forward. Come on, lift your hands. We're going to continue in worship, and I want you to sing boldly, sing passionately, sing loudly for our God. Break out, oh, break every day. 
you're thankful for what Jesus has done, can you lift up a shout right now? The worthy of it all, the only name we can ever worship, Jesus, the Messiah. God, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you that you came down to die for your creations. We're her unworthy, but yet you still chose us. Help us to walk in our true identities, that of a child of yours, God. Walk in our true identities and to show others that they can as well if they just put their trust and hope in you, Jesus. Help us as we leave these walls to continue the gospel, continue the good news, the message you've given us to preach. And let us do it on the platforms that you've given us to stand on, God. We will stand in the gap. Even if it hurts, we'll stand in the gap. And in that, we'll show the world who Jesus is to us. King of kings, Lord of lords. It's in Jesus' mighty name we say amen, amen. Awesome. You guys are dismissed. Have a good day. Hey, our prayer and ministry team is going to come down if you want any prayer or support or anything. If you also want to start that relationship of trusting Jesus, they would be happy to lead you through that as well. Love you guys. Have a good day.